You're listening to the Drowning in Shallow podcast, where we explore rich and meaningful encouragement that doesn't try to put a bow on difficulty. I'm Janelle, a wife, mom, business owner, lover of hospitality, and fellow needer of encouragement. This is a safe place to engage one another in honestly identifying our emotions, naming our troubles, and finding hope that lasts, even when our circumstances don't change. Stop drowning in the shallow platitudes of life. It's time to jump in, grab a life raft, and learn to float in deep waters. Subscribe to my email encouragements at encouragedwithjanelle.com. If you're tired of messages about positive thinking or self-empowerment that ignore or suppress life's true difficulties or our authentic, limited humanity, you're in just the right place. I'm so glad to have you here. The Unwanted House Guests Grief showed up knocking one day. While his arrival was slightly expected, his degree, depth of pain, and length of stay could never have been anticipated. He made life incredibly dark. He scraped away calluses I didn't know I'd grown that, once worn away, led to heightened susceptibility of heartache. These calluses of self-protection kept a false sense of safety against accusations of being overly sensitive or feeling too deeply. Grief's pain hurt worse than before. I carried on with my normal life, and he followed me everywhere I went. My marriage, my friendships, my memories, my everyday tasks, work, parenting, doing the dishes, He stood there, dark and gloomy and always in the way. I grew fatigued with his lingering presence. As I processed his stay and what it was taking from me, I had to adjust the way I was living. His presence limited my capacity, and I had to make new margin. Often I felt judged by others as I shifted my borderlines, from some who knew about grief's visit and others who didn't. Shortly after his arrival, invisibility and muteness came to stay too. They showed up out of nowhere. Had they never arrived, I suspect grief's stay would have been far shorter, or maybe just lighter. But since they were there, I knew grief would now be staying much longer too. He'd basically moved in by then. Each guest brought their own needs and demands for me. Invisibility hid the fact that grief had come to stay from others. He allowed and enabled others to judge and criticize me, harshly. His presence was the conduit of many painful accusations, blame shifts, and platitudes. Muteness let me speak, but then muffled my words so others couldn't hear me. He blocked their understanding. He made relationships and communication literally impossible, no matter what I said or how I said it. He and invisibility worked closely together to make griefs stay longer and much, much harder. I had to pay these guests in energy and thought life. At first, I tried to politely entertain them all, I thought if I cooperated and gave them what they wanted, maybe they'd leave quickly. 
but eventually they had so many demands that I just wanted them to go away and not come back. I asked nicely for them to leave. I tried to politely thank them for coming and for how they reminded me of my need for Jesus while ushering them out and wishing them well on their next visit to someone else. But they wouldn't leave. So I got more direct in seeking to end the visit, sometimes screaming at the top of my lungs that they'd overstayed their welcome and it was time for them to go. And other times, weeping, out of control, desperately begging for them to leave me alone. They were too much and I couldn't handle hosting them. They continued to stay and make life as I knew it so much more difficult, increasingly so. As I sought to continue my tasks and rhythm, even as I'd learned a new, much slower rhythm with grief's initial visit, conflicts and frustration only abounded inside of me and outside of me. Grief's arrival had started a chain reaction, and now things in my life that I had worked so hard to build were disintegrating. Soon, betrayal and solitude rang the doorbell. I didn't even open the door. I called from inside, insisting I had enough house guests and they were not allowed to come in. I was already maxed out. But they both came in anyways. I tried to persuade them. I didn't need them. My life was already destroyed. I pointed around and showed them how. I told betrayal that grief and invisibility and muteness already covered enough betrayal, surely enough to accomplish whatever he sought to have me endure. I used Bible verses to show solitude, how I needed others' help and support more than ever. I told him that, frankly, he was unwelcome and that God said so. But neither of them budged. Days and weeks and months and now years, I've wrestled with these unwanted houseguests who've intruded upon my life and home. My life looks nothing like it did before grief came to stay. It's unrecognizable. So am I. Once lively and responsible, I'm now weak and needy. And as these houseguests continue to overstay their welcome, and stretch me with their demands that feel like they far surpass my abilities. I'm now looking at what it might be like to surrender to their stay instead of finding more ways I might be able to get them to leave. Maybe I'm finally coming to grips with the reality that they are not going anywhere anytime soon, no matter what I try. I step back and consider Okay, so what would it look like to truly welcome them for as long as they'd like? To rearrange my entire life and lay aside every agenda, task, rhythm of life, and earthly goal I've known before and view grief, invisibility, muteness, betrayal, and solitude as guests from God? Facing the undesirable task of absorbing the pain they've come to offer? What if God has called them to staying here and they're obeying him? And for me to obey him, I must 
post them? What if God is using them and the darkness they bring? Once I began to consider this new perspective and approach, I started noticing that rather than be here to only make demands, I think they actually want to somehow eventually serve me. Yes, they bring darkness and unbearable pain, a weight that stretches me beyond my limits. But they long to, over time, teach me more about Jesus, even in all these moments they only offer hard reality. So, I begin to turn everything I see upside down, as the gospel often does, and it reframes a little like this. Solitude isn't here to bring isolation, but communion with only one. Betrayal is here to grow my confidence in the faithful father, husband, and friend. Muteness stays to grow the strength of the voice God has given inside of me. Whether anyone ever hears and receives that voice again or not, my God hears even the faintest size of my heart. Invisibility hands me a cup of tea and welcomes me to sit at the feet of the only eyes that matter. Grief is here that I might learn to walk with the man of sorrows himself and consider the wonder that the king of heaven would put on frail flesh for the purpose of coming to suffer for me. They hide me from others that I might know God's eyes on me. They mute my words that I might find the strength of my voice with God alone, the maker of my voice, and the one who gives it meaning and volume and value. They want me to consider future glory, for what I'm experiencing is neither light nor momentary. So how great could the glory be that awaits? Glory I would not have gained had they not stayed. And one day, perhaps I can use my once muted voice to describe their visit to those who are also suffering, but might not be able to voice the pain of grief, invisibility, muteness, betrayal, and solitude. What if I surrender to their stays, welcoming them as guests of God, tour guides to point out to me more of his character and nature. What if they're here to teach me more about what God is really like, far gentler and sweeter and more tender than I've ever imagined? So as I consider what this will mean, every task and agenda and hope for my life is tossed by the wayside as I host these guests. My earthly hopes and goals and dreams are smashed to pieces. I'm forced to live each moment as it comes and not get too ahead of myself. While initially a posture necessary to literal survival as I hosted grief, I'm slowly seeing 
what a gift it is. The fact that these guests are here to point me to Christ's heart for me doesn't make their stays any less exhausting in my limitations. Humanly speaking, nothing has changed. So now, instead of trying to fit them into my life, I'm looking at fitting my life around them. For this is what God has called me to. So, in that vein, I seek to be attentive to my body and personal capacity, desiring to steward myself in faithfulness to God as I face, endure, and shuffle through that which He is calling me to. So, for me, sleep is very important and naps are frequent. Hydration matters. I forego coffee and up my green smoothie intake. Music that worships the tender, caring character of God cradles my aching heart. Time outside gives refreshment. Watching God paint the sunset just for me fuels intimacy with him as I marvel at his grandeur. Finding anonymous strangers who host similar house guests brings me tremendous sanity. Meeting regularly with my Christ-centered mentor is essential. A new verse or facet of God's character to adore and meditate on each day as I process and engage with my house guests gives meaning to the bitterness I continually drink. CCEF materials affirm and cheer me on. Yoga heightens my body awareness, and the deep breaths remind me God himself is closer than my breath. He is uniquely present in each moment. These are what now make up my goals for my life. My body and emotions and soul need tending to while I sit and chat with my exhausting houseguests. Will I let the pain and distress they offer usher me into the presence of the comforter, the author of my story, the one who longs to embrace me with tenderness as I face the brutal heartache of this life? His arms are strong enough to carry me while defending me from perpetual false accusations that blame me for my pain. This God loves so fiercely, personally, gently, and kindly. He cares only about what I can receive from him and is never fixated on or distracted by wondering what he might get in return from me. This is the God who gives, who gives freely, lavishly, sacrificially, abundantly, and at all cost to himself. He knows every drop of my pain because he chose to literally bear it on his own body. Will I receive from him in my need by welcoming these unwanted house guests, trusting that they will point me further into his arms and heart? Will I follow my Savior as he moves me towards having faith 
that not a millisecond of my pain is meaningless, but is bearing invisible fruit I cannot yet see? While I can hardly imagine it now, maybe I eventually won't want my house guests to leave. Maybe they are the thorns in my side that keep me weak before my Savior. Maybe I'll grow affection for the good done through them, even if others meant evil. Maybe unwanted house guests will turn into friends, and more so, even conduits of grace. Lord, hasten that day. Thanks so much for joining us today on Drowning in Shallow. Go ahead and click that subscribe button so you don't miss an encouragement.